like to speak briefly today on the subject of mindset. Mindset, a theme is set and mindset. Mindset is a uh, popular phrase you hear, it goes around a lot. We, we talk about it, we discuss it. Um, there's YouTube channels that you can get on it that, that have, I mean, I think about this one that's real popular called Mindset Therapy, and it, they challenge your mindset, get you mentally tougher, you know, and, you know, things like that. And, 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 and I, I like listening to some of that stuff, you know, sometimes it's fitness related, sometimes it's business related, but just that whole changing your mindset, right? And as I, I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the word set and our theme for this year, and I couldn't help but, but just kind of meditate on this verse here in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And the Bible says here, let this mind, mind, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I've heard this preached before, and I don't think it's wrong, but people will say, you know, we have to have the mind of Christ. But the fact of the matter is, is we, we, we can't. We couldn't handle his exact mind. I mean, he's, he's perfect. He was all-knowing. He was the perfect son of God. And, and, and we strive to be like him. That's why the verse, if you read it, break it down, it says, let this mind be in you. This is a mind that is comparable, which was also in Jesus Christ. It's not the exact same mind, but it's a mind that was also in Jesus Christ. And this chapter gives us a pattern to help us get the mind or have that mind like Christ, a mind that is like Christ. Boy, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be something else? In fact, that's what these mindset channels do. That they, they interview famous people. They interview successful people, and they want you to say, hey, why don't you change your mind or pattern your mind or pattern your behavior after these successful people, and therefore you are going to be guaranteed success, right? That's not always guaranteed a success here, but I do believe this. If we practice the powerful principle of let, then there's potential for set. Do you hear that? Let me say it again. If we practice the principle of let, then there's potential for set. In other words, if we let this mind be in us, then it could eventually be set the mind in us. And imagine a world, imagine churches, imagine homes, imagine Christians that had a mind also like Christ inside of their heads. Imagine that. I've said this many times before and I'll say it again. The word brain never shows up in the Bible. A brain is a different definition than a mind. A, mind, a brain is a, a jello-like, gelatin-like substance inside the skull of a living being. Dogs have brains. Cats, birds have brains. Um, not sure about cats. Cats have brains. Cats have brains. Okay, Miss Heather. Cats have brains. Monkeys have brains. Teenagers do not. That's one girl that they do not. They do not. When they turn 20, they finally get a set of brains, right? But right now, teenagers do not have brains, all right? But, but brains are, are, are defined as such, right? Then you have, biblically, the word mind. Again, the word brain does not show up in your Bible, but the word mind does. Mind is a totally different uh, meaning. And mind is, is a powerful gift that God gives to us. God talks of the mind, that we should love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our mind, heart, body, and soul. Mind is in there. Mind is something that shows up uh, throughout the Bible in many, many places because it, mind is what defines us. It's, it's how we think. It's how we feel. It's, it's, our, it's, our, it's the seat of our emotional well-being. It's, it's how we process thoughts. It's, a, it's something God gives to us. And as much as we want to think that animals have minds, the fact of the matter is that's one of the things that separates human beings, God's greatest creation or his most loved creation, from his other creations. Remember, he created all those other animals and things in a different day, but he set aside man for the very last. The sixth day he created man and woman, created him in his image. And when, when we get that concept of image, we have the potential for that mind here, right? So the powerful thought of the mind. 
In this chapter here, you'll see that Jesus eventually, look at verse number 9, the Bible says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Wow. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and all things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus Christ, the mind that he had in him, eventually led him to the most powerful title on the planet. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, all power is given unto me. But you see, Jesus paid the greatest price to get the greatest title. He paid the greatest price. The Bible says there, in the same thing in verse number 6, we already read it. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, he made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Do you realize that the Bible never really specifically talks about what Jesus looked like? The only time it talks about what he looks like is in Revelation chapter 1. And that image of Christ in Revelation chapter 1 is most likely not the same image that they would have seen while he was walking on earth. He had white hair and he had a, you know, he had a whole different uh, uh, look then because he, that was his glorified body. And he had been in heaven for some time and, and he had already died and rose again from the dead. Because it's not how Jesus looked that defined who he was it's how he acted and thought that defined who he was. It's more important to study the mind of Christ because the mind of Christ is what led to the actions of Christ. You see, America today especially is so obsessed with the outward appearance. America defines each other by what you look like on the outside. How your physique looks, how your hair looks, how your eyes look, how your teeth look. I hear people sometimes say, man, that dude needs to get his teeth fixed, right? I mean, or, man, that guy got ugly eyes. Or, you know, it's amazing how we define. We, we, we will sometimes label somebody and predetermine how somebody's going to be just because of the way they look. And sometimes we are surprised when they start acting in front of us that we become more impressed by who that person particularly is. I would suggest that, and I've been guilty of this before, that we allow an observation of someone's mind because the mind of somebody is usually followed by the actions of that mind. And the actions then will point back to the power of the mind. Mind is said is defined as the habitual or characteristic mental attitude that determines how you will interpret and respond to situations. Some people have a, what we call a pessimistic mindset. Some have what's called an optimistic mindset. Some would call a realist mindset. My wife and I have had many fun conversations through the years about this. She calls me an optimist, and sometimes I'll tease her and say she's a pessimist. And pessimists always say, and she's not a pessimist, but she'll always say, no, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist, right? How many of you are realists today? Would you raise your hand over the building? How many of you would say your family or somebody calls you an optimist in this building today, right? How many of you are just, you're just, you're proud to admit it, you're a pessimist, man. I mean, it's always gloom and doom. Right, there's a few that have raised your hand. How many of you think you know somebody else in this church that didn't raise their hand, that should have raised their hand, that they're a pessimist? All right, now there's many of you raising their hand all of a sudden, right? Uh, but, but it's amazing how we will categorize people once again. What if we put all those things aside? What if we put all those preconceived notions aside? What if we put all those prejudging characteristics aside and say, let's see what set apart Jesus Christ's mind and then allow it, watch this, allow it or let it set in our mind, therefore, mindset. Mindset. Well, in this context, you'll see three simple principles that lead up to this statement of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that his mindset is what finally led him to die on the cross. His mindset was so strong and so determined that even when he prayed, Father, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. His mind was set. His face was 
fixed. Like a flint, the Bible says in the book of Luke. He had an appointment with Calvary and nothing was going to deter that. But on that journey, you see these beautiful glimpses of the power of the mind that Jesus Christ had. And may I say to you today that the mind that God has given you is a very powerful tool. Did you hear what I said? Very powerful. And it's very important as Christians today to make sure that our minds are healthy. The healthier our minds, the healthier our lives are. What we put into our minds will determine what our minds produce outwardly, right? And so the power of the mind is very, very important. The mind also has direct access, a straight lane highway to the heart. And the heart and mind communicate with each other on a spiritual uh, level. Watch this now. I've said this many times. The devil, he will try to bombard our minds so that it ends up going to and corrupting our hearts. Watch this now. God loves to speak to our hearts so it goes up and purifies our minds. They go opposite directions. The devil loves to bombard the mind to corrupt the heart. God speaks to the heart to purify the mind. And so they're opposite directions. Now guess what? If the devil wants to corrupt my heart and God wants to purify my mind, I guess I would be the tiebreaker in this particular situation. So what I decide to do determines where my mind will be set. Hence the message mindset. I want you to notice just three simple principles. Number one, maybe a little bit more teaching today. Stay with me now. Number one, the power of unity. Unity is a very important part of a mindset. Unity. All right, watch this. Look at Philippians 2, verse 1. The Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, look at verse 2. <coughs> Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be, what's the next phrase? Like what? Like-minded, having the same what? Being of one. Come on, help me now. Of one. And then of one what? Mind. Let's read that again. Come on. Wake up, church. Let's go wake up. You don't want me to come sit on your lap. That'll be a disaster, right? Look at verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be what? Having the same what? Being of one what? Of one what? Wow. That's a whole lot of doctrine, a whole lot of meat in one simple verse. It's amazing how God can sometimes literally saturate a verse with some pretty powerful doctrine there. But the principle that you can extract from that verse is simply this. God loves unity. Watch this. If I have the mind of Christ in me and my wife has the mind of Christ in her, then it's impossible for there to be disunity. What if the church, Christians, families in this church had the mind of Christ? Now, when I'm talking about the mind of Christ, I'm not talking about which team we root for or what our favorite foods or drinks are. We understand that in a, in a human sense, that's a different subject. But we're talking about in the spiritual sense here. What if we all began to think like Christ? Watch this. If you think like Christ... You can't help but act like Christ. The more we think like Jesus, the more we act like Jesus. The more we think like Jesus, the more we love like Jesus. The more we think like Jesus, the more we uh, stay in one accord like Jesus. The more we think like Jesus, the more we'll be of one mind like Jesus. Watch this. I know the Bible teaches us, and Jesus tells us that he came, and he causes division. But Jesus' ultimate purpose was not his concern with whether or not he causes division between man and man, but rather he wants to bring unity between man and God. And in that process, don't miss this now, as he unites man to God, his goal and his desire is that those men and those women and those teenagers and those children that are united to God will also then... Be united with each other. The principle of unity is found all through the Bible. From, from Abraham to Moses uh, to David and, of course, to the New Testament. 
We all know the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 teaches about being in one accord and the power of unity and the power of being in one accord and being together. And may I say to you today, the devil has become a master today at causing great division between that which should be united. There are some things that should be divided. The Bible teaches about the separation of light and darkness, saved and lost. However, in the process of being separated and saved and lost, the goal of a saved person is to consistently work and bring lost people to the saved side, right? To bring them in unity with Christ and bring them in unity with God. Unity is a powerful word. I don't know if you know this. I mentioned last Sunday there's a lot of disunity right now in the Missouri, in the Missouri government right now. I've been getting phone calls and, and messages about that. And, and listen to me. It's pretty sad when you have one party that is more united than the other party and the party that's supposed to be doing the right things is so divided that they can't get anything done. That's what's happening in Christianity today. Look at that on, the, on a federal scale. The Democrats are way more united than the Republicans are on a national scale. They're so much more determined. They will let bygones be bygones more than many Republicans will do. And we consistently fight against each other. And Christians are so disunited. And as you study the pages of social media and you study history, you'll find that when Satan can get Christians at odds with each other, he then becomes successful at removing the mind of Christ from the potential in that room. Unity is important. As a husband and wife, unity is important. As a mom or a dad, unity is important. Unity is important. Watch this. Number one, that's the principle. Unity. We should strive for unity as Jesus did. Jesus wanted his disciples united. Jesus longs for his churches to be united. Jesus longs for his couples, marriages, <coughs> excuse me, to be united. Jesus wants <coughs> unity. The name of our country is the United States of America. I don't care about the states part of it. I don't even care about the America part of it. Canadians can, compare, can claim to be in the Americas. Uh, uh, people in South America, Ecuador is in the Americas. But there's something that set apart America for so long, and it was the power of that word united. There's something about unity. Now, how do we get to unity? Number two, notice this other principle. The principle of having the right mindset is humility. Humility is found in this chapter. Woo, why do we lose unity? Because pride Pride and humility are always going the opposite directions and they crash into each other all the time. My pride is the greatest enemy of my humility. The potential for me to have a humble spirit is always shoved out of the way because of my pride. When my wife and I have had fusses through the years, it always usually falls back to the subject of my pride. It's always my fault. She's always right. 99.9% .9 of the time, she's right. Can I get an amen, husbands? Amen. All right. All right. Humility is a very important subject here. Stay with me now. Look with me in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. The Bible says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Can I ask you a question? Is that what America teaches us today? Is that what's is that the first shall be last and the last shall be first? Is that what we teach? Is that what the business world teaches? And again, I'm not against working hard and striving and trying to do the best. Big football game next week, Super Bowl Sunday, right? Two teams are going to go at it. The lead athletes are going to try to beat each other out for that for that trophy and for that ring and all that stuff. That won't matter for in hundred years from now, right? What we're doing here, the difference we're going to make in people's lives is that's what matters. And can I tell you something? America Christians, American Christians need a desperate revival for the, on the subject of humility. Pride is the great enemy. God hates pride. 
He does not hate prideful people. He loves all people, but he hates pride. I know that I have been proud too many times, and God has hated that pride. And in spite of him hating my pride, he still loved me. And sometimes he has allowed things in my life to humble me, to help me to understand that pride is not going to get me to the destination of having the mindset of Christ. Verse 3 again, it says, let each other esteem other better than themselves. Look at verse number 7, but made himself of no reputation. Jesus is still to this day the most famous figure that ever walked on this planet. Even secular posts will say that Jesus is top three, most of the times number one, most impactful human being that ever walked on this planet. Wait a minute, he didn't have huge, a huge a fanfare. He didn't have parades. He didn't have a, a castles and kingdoms. But you know what he did? He put others above himself and it propelled him to the top. And multitudes followed him. And 2,000 years later, we still sing and testify and preach about him and teach about him. Why? Because he was the most humble human being that ever lived. And because he reached the lowest of lows, God the Father said, I'm so proud of you, son. He placed him in the highest of highs. Because when you have been as low as Jesus has, God the Father knew he could handle the highest of highs. The perfect son of God, humanly speaking, conquered pride. No other man has ever been able to do that. However, we can stem pride, we can fight off pride, we can push away pride by the spirit of humility. Putting somebody above yourself. Thinking of no reputation. Even being found in fashion as a man, humbling yourself. Becoming obedient unto death. You say, well, preacher, what about the power of death? All right, listen to this. This is, this is a powerful little truth. Yesterday, I was at, at the youth conference with Dean Miller told a powerful story about a man named by the name of Yosef Son. J-O-S-E-F-T-S-O-N is his name, Yosef Son. He was a preacher in Romania before the, the Iron Curtain, uh, before the wall fell. Richard Wormbrand is probably the most famous preacher that was tortured. Uh, he wrote, there's a book about him called Tortured for Christ. If you've never read it, it's a great read. A uh, preacher of the gospel that was suffered like nobody's ever suffered. He was tortured for Christ. He ended up finally getting out and, and had a powerful testimony for the glory of God. But Yosef Son was another one. He was captured and, and, and they kept telling him, you cannot preach the messages freely that you preach. You must preach the messages of the state. And they said, Yosef Son would look at them and say, okay, never. And they'd say, you must preach what the government tells you to preach. He'd say, okay, never. They finally placed him in prison. And they tortured him and abused him. And for months, they tried to get him to sign a confession of denial where he would deny Christ. And they would put that paper in front of him. And he would look at that paper and say, okay, never. He refused to sign that document. After I heard that, I went home last night and did some research on him. I read some articles on him. I was intrigued by this man's story. And listen to me. Finally, the commandant of that prison was so fed up with him, he refused to break in a lowest state of humility. Watch what he says. Finally, he, he, the commandant sends one of his troops down there, or one of his guards down there and says, Do you understand, Joseph? We're tired of it. If you don't, if you don't sign this declaration, then we will, we will destroy you. We will kill you. Joseph looked at that guard and said, tell the commandant that if he uses his greatest weapon against me, I shall use my greatest weapon against him. What? Weapon? What are you talking about? He ran to the commandant's office, told the commandant. The commandant said, how dare he say that? He ran into the jail cell, confronted Joseph Stan and said, what did you say? Joseph Stan said, I will use my greatest weapon if you use your greatest weapon. He said, well, what is your weapon? Yosef said, what is your weapon? And the man said, I will kill you. And he said, your greatest weapon is killing me. But my greatest weapon is dying. 
And in my death, my message will be preached more powerful than it's ever been preached. Therefore, my weapon is greater than your weapon. And the commandant said, get out of here and release him from prison. And he kept on preaching. There is powerful, there is power in death. But we're not, we're not commanded to die physically. We're commanded to die to ourselves. To die to myself, to die to my desires, my wills, my wants. To put somebody else before me. That's difficult, even more so as Americans. The greatest weapon, look at this. The Bible says, humble yourself and became obedient even unto death. Even unto death. We don't have to die on a cross yet. We don't have to die by suffering a persecution yet. What we can do is die to self every day. Paul said, I die daily. Meaning, I'm not going to let my flesh win today. I'm not going to let my flesh get what it's want. The mindset that I'm going to exercise is going to be different than that which the world continues to teach and preach. So we have the potential of the mind of Christ if we practice unity, humility, number three, then it gives us the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity for what? The opportunity to be like Jesus. The opportunity to remind people of Jesus. To behave in such a way that people say, oh, you remind me of that person I've read about or heard about before, and his name is Jesus Christ. To act in such a way that people say, wow, that is a familiar behavior I see. And it's so different, and it contrasts what society teaches today. It goes against everything that our flesh teaches us to do. From the time you're a two-year-old boy and with another two-year-old boy, put two two-year-olds in a room and give them one toy, and you know what's going to happen in a few minutes. They're going to be killing each other for that one toy. One of them is going to finally get it and start beating the other one with that toy, right? It's, it's the way we are taught. It's in our fleshly nature. And Jesus came to radicalize that. He shocked the world when he came in and said, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I, I, I'm, I'm going to live. I'm going to sleep. I don't even have a house. I'm going to sleep where the foxes sleep. I'm going to sleep outside on the stars. I, I'm going to minister to the poorest of poor. I'm going to do what? What are you doing? What are, you're a king. What, you're going to be born in a stable. What, what, what in the world's going on? This is so different. Yes, it's different. It's called the mind of Christ. And the potential to change people's lives with the mind of Christ is unbelievable if we just allow it to let it, to let it, to let it set, let it, let, let set in us. The mind of Christ gives us opportunity. Look at verse 5 and I'm done. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. So really, it's, we complicate it sometimes. What do I have to do? It, it's simple. Be united with God. Humble yourselves in the presence of God. And then it infiltrates to the rest of your life. You see, it is vital that my wife and I stay united. And we try our best to stay united as much as possible for the sake of our children, for the sake of our marriage, for the sake of pleasing God. Unity, then humility, brings the opportunity. Today, church, I challenge you to join me. And it's a desire I have. I've not been perfect. I've failed miserably. But may we have the mindset of Christ. Heads your bad eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well today.